Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Drink it in, man. Detroit Kool-Aid drinkers, what is going on everybody? It is Friday. I hear it's most people's favorite day of the week. I'm glad it's a Friday. We got Lions football this evening. We're heading into the weekend and we're that much closer to real football. So it's a good day across the board, no doubt about it. I hope everybody's healthy, doing well. I'm your host, Derek Oakry, here on the Detroit Kool-Aid cast, where I serve up, I mean, the delicious, the refreshing, the Honolulu blue flavored Detroit Kool-Aid. Drink it in. Drink it in. (laughs) There's a double for you, and you might as well get a double cornbread as well. Cornbread. Cornbread. (laughs) So here's what we're going to do today. I was kind of like, what am I going to talk about? Like, I'm just not going to put a bunch of time into the indie game. We already know basically no starters on either side are going to play. And I was like, ah, maybe I'll talk about news and notes, some of the injuries and go through different things that are going on with the Lions. I'm like, no, I don't want to do that. I mean, we have something special here in the middle of the show. It's a Sometimes we have Joey from the Believe Podcasting Network on twice a week. This week we had him on the Wednesday show. I think we had a tremendous time talking through the NFC North. We actually looked at what the teams are going to look like in the future a little bit too. So if you missed that show, go back and check it out. And a lot of times we get them on the full Friday, but life was crazy. Times were busy. So I was actually able to record kind of a, uh, I think it's around 15 minutes or so with uh, Joey. And, and we get into the, mostly the, we talk a little bit about Penny Sewell. And then we get into the Jared Goff versus his boy Justin Fields debate I, I go to categories we we, we score it. It, it it's entertaining I think you guys will like that so we'll get to that here in a little bit but I was like man I want to talk about just the same old same old or these little nuggets that everybody else is talking about but one thing a lot of people are talking about but I think it's just great podcast material is the Lions are going to have to make cuts down to 53 players by Tuesday at four o'clock August 31st. So I was like, why don't I just make those cuts and and give you guys that uh, right here on the show before it happens? Kind of what I'm thinking right now. Give you both not only the quantity at position, but I'll give you the player names for the most part as well. And we're going to break it up into two sections. So we're just going to get right into the offense here. Do the offensive side of the ball. Get Joey in. um, The interview that I did with him. And then we'll do defense to end the show. And I'll get you guys all hyped up like I always do here on the Kool-Aid cast. I mean, I'm always, always serving it up, you know? 
Drink it in, uh... All right, so let's just dive right into offense. So, again, 53 overall players. They are going to be able to keep 16 practice squad players as well. We're just going to focus on that 53. So when you're looking at offense... I mean, I'm just going to go down to make a quick list here. Again, they often make you think this is brain surgery, but it took me about five minutes to sort of look over the roster and kind of figure out quantities as well as players that I probably keep on this football team. So let's just start the tight end position. So we obviously have um, this guy. You've probably heard of him. His name is TJ Hawkinson. Um, so, you know, he, he's the stud. He's got to stay healthy. He's got to put up big numbers because there's, like, nobody else on this team that's even caught, like, 50, 60 passes in total. Some guys on this team have never caught a pass. Some guys have, like, 2, 3, 10 to their record. So, Hawkinson's going to have to be a big-time pass catcher. Um, I've got four overall tight ends I, that I'm going to keep. I debated between three and four for me. It's going to be Hawkinson. It's going to be Darren Fells. Again, Darren Fells. He's on the back nine of his career, but no question about it. Probably the, the you know heading to the 18th hole, to be honest. And Darren Fells, to me, can give you some touchdown production. It'll give you a few sneaky plays here or there to move the chains. Um, you know, he's, he's had some issues with some penalties and drops and whatnot, and we get it. But he's kind of a proven vet, so you don't love him as your two, but that's kind of how it's going to be shaped out pretty much for the Lions. Could be a surprise cut, Darren Fells, but... I'd probably roll with him, to be honest, as, as my number two. Number three, I, I'm going to go with Elise Mack, you know, kid out of Notre Dame. Liked him in the draft process. He's had his issues blocking and uh, other things, but I just think there's enough potential there, and there's not anybody else that I value as much. So he's going to be three, and that's about where I was cut it off. But I was kind of like, you know, based on what I know about roster construction, you kind of got to have – you know, four tight ends because you got to have a guy not only to block but special teams and some other dirty work. So I, I went with Brock Wright, the kid out of Notre Dame as well, undrafted player. I just felt like, hey, you know, you can somewhat get by with those four. But again, it's got to be basically, you know, 90% TJ Hawkinson. And the thing that I love about it is I feel like Hawkinson wasn't used anywhere near enough. So because there's no one else around him and because there's no other great pass catchers, I'd love to see them just wear him out. I mean, uh, again, I don't want the guy to get injured. I don't want him to, um, you know, have issues. I want him to build off his Pro Bowl year, but just, you know, find him underneath, get him on option routes, run him up the seam more often, you know, really find out how to get this guy going. So that's what I got at tight end. At running back, uh, I ended up keeping six running backs, and that was five plus a fullback. So... You know, to me, it obviously worked out. Swift is my lead guy. I'm not really worried about the injuries. I think he's going to be dynamic. I'd really like to see them wear him out as well. So him and Hawkinson be the two main pieces of the offense. Jamal Williams, I, I have some unique and high expectations. I've also been on the show and quoted of saying, like, I mean, he's talked a big game. He's super personable and fun, but could he disappoint he could, but a lot of fantasy people, a lot of people in the NFL really seem to think this guy's going to produce well. He's a good third down back. He can block, all that type of things. So, you know, I can't wait to see what he does over the course of the full season. But uh, interesting player, no doubt about it. Jamar Jefferson, the kid that took in the seventh round, seemed to really like him. Deuce uh, Staley talked a lot about him um, in his press conference. The running backs head coach says he's coming along, getting better and better. He's shown some things, I think, averaging, what, seven, eight yards a crack in preseason and limited carries. 
He went over 1,000 yards as a freshman at Oregon State. Brad Holmes loves him because, as I've quoted on the show, people love when I do this impression. Uh, Brad Holmes in the seventh round was like, hey, hey Dan, uh, what, what are you thinking, man? What, what are you thinking here? Who, uh, who are we going to go after? And Brad Holmes said something to the effect. I won't quote him verbatim, but it was something to the effect of, "Man, I'm getting a kid from Oregon State. Man, the kid's ball player. I'm gonna, get, I'm gonna get him." Like, yeah. And then you hear John Dorsey in the background, "Take your best player, Brad. That's your guy." <laughs> you know. So, um, you know, I think he's gonna be very interesting to watch. I hope they find a role for him as well. Um, Craig. Craig Reynolds is going to be uh, my number four on this football team right now. Now, I would love to get a veteran. Again, this might be a crazy name to throw out there, but let's say Mark Ingram got cut from Houston. To me, that'd be that nice vet. He's got a great mindset. He's been productive coming here on a very low deal and kind of be that four where he's a banger a little bit more than some of these other guys. He's, you know, also comfortable just sort of sitting there and mentoring. So maybe that's an option to keep out if he got let loose. But if not, I'm going to roll with Craig Reynolds. And I'm going to roll with Dedrick Mills out of Nebraska as kind of my five running backs. I would like if it's not um, Mark Ingram. You know, we already have guys in catch the football, versatile. We got some young guys, so maybe finding that nice mid-tier, mid-career veteran or a guy that can come in here, I think may be an interesting thing to keep an eye on. And then your fullback is going to be Jason Cabinda. So that's where I'm at with running backs. Let's go to the big boys up front, the hogs up front. I mean, you're talking offensive line. It's pretty straightforward in the starters. Taylor Decker, Jonah Jackson next to him. And, I mean, I can't, I just can't do it where I mention, like, two of those guys, you know, they're kind of from, like, the the school that I, you know, shall not speak of here on the show or the one that just really gets me all riled up. I don't like to bring up the name, but I do like to play the sound bite. Hey, listen, Ohio State sucks. (laughs) And I often ask you after I play that, what's better, the quote by Lindell White or the laugh from the random reporter uh, when he busted that out? Um, You know, I don't like their college he went to, but I like both those football players a lot. You got Frank Ragnow holding down the middle. Obviously, everybody seems to, um, everybody loves him. Great football player, great person. He got paid this offseason. You go to the right guard. I mean, I just rolled with the default, which is Hal Vitae there, right guard. I've got my right tackle as Penne Sewell, the number seven overall pick, who's getting a lot of kind of odd hate so early that, oh, he's just made a few mistakes or they've seen this, seen that. Like, I think we should be very blessed and very happy to have Penne Sewell over there as our right tackle for the Detroit Lions. And again, the way I like to structure it on my roster, again, I'm only keeping seven old linemen, so those are my five up front. I'm keeping one. Um, swing interior player he's got to be able to play center and and both guard spots and I don't know that he'd be be a very good center but they did kind of cross train him at that uh, early on as a rookie and they invested a fourth round pick in this guy so to me it was Logan Stenberg and the swing tackle, he got to be able to play right and left. Um, guy that's been totally forgotten about because he's been hurt. We haven't seen him. But uh, I was going to go with Tyrell Crosby, keep him around for one more year, probably let him walk after this season. But 
I think that's a nice piece to have as a swing tackle. I don't like him as a starter, really, unless he's better than Hal Vitae. You could play him at right guard. But I I kind of hope he gets that swing tackle role. And like I say, if, if you don't think that Stenberg can get by at center if you had to have him there, or he's just not a good right guard, I'd still kind of keep him around just for another year to sort of see, unless he's just an absolute, uh, you know, trash bucket tackling dummy where he just no good um, but I could see an eighth guy if they feel like he's like a, a, a swing guard and then you have to keep one of the Evans or Evan Brown or whoever um, as that center um, backup so that I'd go with seven and those are my seven let's go to quarterback uh, again I'm a proponent of two quarterbacks if you guys want to go listen to my Thursday show as well called B-L-E-A-V, Believe in Lions, on the Believe Podcasting Network. This week, I had a great guest, Jack Cavanaugh, works for Pro Football Focus, doing fantasy football. He's on a bunch of different platforms. Man, me and him talked for maybe two minutes before we hit the record button. We busted out like an hour show where we went over some of these same player evaluations positions we didn't necessarily give you this full cut down though like i'm doing but um definitely go listen to that show you can find that on any of your favorite podcast platforms again that's b-l-e-a-v believe in lions and you know jack want to keep all three quarterbacks for me is like i'm just keeping two i'm gonna try to sneak a guy on the practice squad that's serviceable you know they let you kind of keep that third guy in waiting um if needed you know in a pinch type of thing and when do two quarterbacks get hurt in a game it's very 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 rare so i'm going with two i'm gonna go with mr jared goff really hope he plays well Hope he shuts a lot of people up. Hope he comes determined. Hope he makes plays. Hope he wins. Hope he wins ball games. But uh, I'm going to go with David Blau as my backup. I mean, I don't love it, but I just haven't seen enough good stuff from Tim Boyle. I kind of know who David Blau is. Really good person. Made a few plays here in the preseason. Grinded out some drives. And I'm going to roll that way. Unless somebody gets cut loose that I can get for cheap, and I would definitely kick both those guys to the curb for another guy. I know, like, oh, they've got to learn the scheme and, you know, all that kind of stuff. But, yeah, I mean, if there was a guy that had some dynamic running ability or a guy that just was a young talent that I could bring along or whatever, you know, that might intrigue me. Now, again, I don't have a bunch of names at the tip of my tongue, but obviously Josh Rosen's getting kicked along everywhere. Can't seem to stick on a team. He kind of has that pompous attitude or just kind of – Something's not working with him and his teammates, but obviously he's a talented thrower of the football. If Brad Holmes thought that was worth the project to bring in, I mean, maybe that's something. If you're going to do that, that's when I'd keep three. You know, keep Blau or whoever, and then maybe have Rosen as your third guy. Try to bring along that talent and see if he could turn into a number two type of thing. That's something to consider, I guess. But um, I'm rolling with two, and those are my two. Now, everybody's like, Okri, would you just get to the receivers already? That's all anybody wants to talk about. That's where all the intrigue is. And that's why I saved it for last here on the uh, the major cutdowns here on the offense side of the ball. So wide receiver, when I looked at the numbers, I mean, I'm basically going to keep six receivers. And these are the six. Tyrell Williams is going to be my number one. I don't know that this is going to happen. And again... I'm not giving you too many hot takes because when I looked at this roster, it seemed pretty straightforward. So I'm not throwing you any curveballs. I'm sure the Lions will. You know, they're going to let go of a couple people where people are just going to be shaking their head or like, I don't understand it, but I hope it works out. Like, uh, you know, Perriman, I'm going to keep him on the roster. I know he's been hurt. I know he hasn't shown much, but 
He's got juice, and he's produced in a few different places, so why couldn't he produce for this receiving core for the Detroit Lions in 2021? So, Rashad Perriman is going to be on my roster, somewhat penciled in as the number two, um, battling it out with Quintez Cephas, who I think in a normal thing should be a... You know, anywhere from a three to a five receiver on any, you know, quality receiving group for the Lions. He's a he's a two three on this team, to be honest. I mean, a lot of people are selling him short. Some people are saying he's not gonna make the team. I I liked what I saw when he's out there and he's a he's a physical dude, nice uh you know, got that NFL vet type body and seems determined, so I think he could surprise people. So Paraman and Cephas, that's gonna get me to three. Obviously, St. Brown, the fourth-round pick at pick 112 overall is going to be my number four on the numbers. But, again, could he be number two? Could he be a beast in the slot? Could he be getting tons of footballs? Absolutely could. After that, it hurts my heart, to be honest, but I'm going to have to go with Khalif Raymond because the coaches love him and because I guess there's some speed and some juice there. I really haven't seen anything, but uh, that's who I'm going to go with there. So then I'm at five, and if I'm only keeping six wides, the last guy on my list is going to be Mr. Kennedy. Canada. <laughs> uh, some of you guys get that, some of you don't. But um, you know, I think he's just been really interesting. You know, uh, uh, he's built pretty well. He's been on this roster for a year or two now. He's, I think I did a rant uh, six months ago where I was like, "Can we just get rid of Tom Kennedy, please? I'm just sick of this guy." But he he seems to be that little you know, dynamo that you put in the slot or you put on special teams or you move the chains every once in a while he finds the end zone. I mean, again, don't mind keeping him as my number six based on I could trust him. That's what Dan Campbell said was important. And I think he can make a few plays for you. So, Mr. Tom Kennedy will be my sixth receiver. Obviously, I'm keeping a kicker, punter, and a long snapper. Uh, kicker, again, there's a little intrigue there, but I think they'll probably just roll with Bullock until, or if he shanks a few, then go, or maybe somebody gets cut loose. They end up just adding him because, again, it's a kicker. It really doesn't matter. You're just looking for the best talent, somebody that can boot him from deep and be accurate. So we'll see if they stick with him, but right now it's Bullock for me. Jack Fox, everyone's favorite Detroit Lion. got booming 70-plus yard kicks. Everyone's just writing him in the Hall of Fame right now. I'm like, you guys know he's a punter, right? I mean, mad respect. I like the guy. He's cool, but he's a punter. So, you know, we can't be harping on him all day every day. Like he's the greatest thing on the squad. Because if so, we've got real issues. Um, and then the long snapper. Gosh, who is the long snapper? I mean, again, they let go of Don Muehlbach. Scott Daly, number 47. I think he was from Notre Dame as well, or undrafted kid, you know, younger guy, 20s, mid-20s, where Don Muehlbach was 40, so it was about time there, so that got me to 28 football players, so, you know, um, that's kind of where I'm at on the offense side of the ball, again, went about, you know, 15, 20 minutes here, I'm going to take a break and get our great sponsors in here, when we come back, I think I'm going to enter the second half or come off the break with Joey Christopoulos from the Believe Podcasting Network and where we go back and forth, rant, rave, argue about golfers, fields, talk some penny sewell. 
and then I'll come off that interview and and finish on the defense. So it might be a longer show, but the preseason's over. I'm I'm giving you roster cuts, and we are heading to real football in about a week and a half, everybody. So get our great sponsors in here. We'll do all that right after the break. All right, everybody. This goes out to my fantasy football fans out there. Now, you probably heard about Reality Sports Online, the most powerful fantasy sports platform where owners can build and manage their fantasy team like a real NFL general manager. But the question is, have you tried it? I mean, we're talking free agency, multi-year contracts, rookie drafts, multi-team trades. You could put franchise tags on guys. Um, it's as close as you're going to get to being an NFL GM. But do you think it sounds complicated? It's not. I'm here to tell you it's the best thing about Reality Sports Online is it's just more fun than your normal fantasy league, but it doesn't take barely any more time. After all this, are you still not sure? I mean, come on now. You can test your general manager skills by going over to Reality Sports Online, call it RSO. Please go check out realitysportsonline.com right now. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. All right, everybody. As promised. Here we go on our Friday show, and the guy's busy. I don't know how I wrangled him in, but we got a few minutes with Joey Christopoulos of the Believe Podcasting Network. We promoted it on Wednesday. You can find him on IG and on Twitter, at Joey Sports Guy. Tremendous handle. This guy's going to be all over the place. I'm just fortunate to know him, and, and I didn't even pump it up, but dude's been in Burger King commercials. I mean, he's a big star, I must admit, but he's given us a few minutes here on the Friday to argue again with me and get into it. So, Joey, how you doing here on a Friday? Derek, happy Friday, man. The day before the final preseason weekend before we make it real, dude. Thank you for the shout-out on the BK. Who wants a chicken sandwich? Who's ready? <laughs> Oh, man, you're you're a big star as well as, I mean, the Lions are playing Friday night. I don't know when your boy Fields is playing, but um, like you say, and then they got, what, a week off. So as close as it is, we're going to have to deal with that week off of no football again, which we will have college at least, which would be awesome. Go blue, baby. But uh, let's get into this. I know your time is limited, so this is what I want to ask you. This is this is what Detroit Lions fan does all the time. You take Penny Sewell at, at number seven overall. Most logical fans are like, oh, what a great value. I can't believe he slipped. Like, we're going to beat people up in the trenches. And and then the next thing you know, they tell they're going to move him to right tackle. Oh, he's a left tackle. And then he starts to play, and the, somebody gets a sack on him, and they start to doubt. And then they're like, well... I mean, there's this guy in Chicago who's made a couple of plays at quarterback. Maybe we should have went that way. Like, I, I know you're a Bears guy. I know you have like an, a poster on the wall of Justin Fields, and you probably are building a, a small shrine to him of some sort. But, I mean, I just think it's overreaction city to be 
doubting, to be thinking we should have took so-and-so, and these guys are barely getting their feet wet at this point. So do you view this as a big miss where they took a big old nasty offensive lineman instead of the all-valued quarterback position this early? Well, Derek, first of all, i got to call you out on something. It's oh, not boy. a small shrine. It's a gigantic shrine, okay? you got to get it right. Um, it's the biggest Justin Fields shrine you've ever seen in your life. So here's here's what I will say. And look, we're debating this right now because time will only tell. First of all, moving Panay Sewell over from left tackle to right tackle, I don't think you should freak out about it, okay? He's a rookie. He's allowed to have some bumps in the road as a rookie because – Look, there's professional guys on the other end. He's going to be playing top-notch defensive ends every single week with all the tricks, all the all the techniques in the world. He's going to get burned a couple of times. And look, man, as much as I wanted to, I was pulling up some stats, right? And I was trying to do this whole thing of why, you know, Penny Sewell is going to be a bust or whatever. But here's what I'll say, and Lions fans are actually going to like this. I pulled up the top 10 offensive tackles. For last year, the graded out offensive tackles, and I'm just going to read them off to you super, super quickly. David Bakhtiari, fourth round. Trent Williams, fourth overall. Ryan Ramchick, 32nd overall. Taron Armstead, third round. Ronnie Staley, sixth overall. Tristan Wirfs, 13th overall. Garrett Bowles, 20th overall. Laramie Tunsil, 13th overall. Taylor Moten, second round. Lane Johnson, fourth overall. So, there was a part of me that was like, hey, you can find elite offensive linemen anywhere in the draft, right? I wanted to play that whole game. But if you look at these guys on this list, these are the top 10 offensive tackles on the board. A good portion of them are dudes that you take with top 10 picks in the first round of the draft. Will the Lions look back in four or five years and say, man, we should have taken Justin Fields? Like, gosh, should we have taken Mac Jones? I guess we're going to have to find that out another day. But what if the Lions play with the scenario of they get Panay Sewell and a couple of years from now, either they love Jared Goff or they find another franchise quarterback and they have Sewell. It's kind of a win. I mean, I know you don't want to pass on the franchise quarterback, but so far I think the Lions did the right thing. What say you? Oh, I mean, uh, again, the name of the show is the Detroit Kool-Aid cast. You know I'm drinking in the pig. I love it. I mean, it's it's growing on me day by day. I mean, the, the people all lathered up in the Kool-Aid and the, and the cornbread butter. Drink it in, uh... But But no, I, I think, uh, you know, my thing is just patience. Like, I think everybody overreacts to rookies. Like, I'm a guy that goes out on a limb and will tell you how great somebody's going to be before they're great. But I also have it in me that if a guy has a few stumbles here or there, I'm also kind of like... Penny Sewell's 20, 21 years old. You know what I mean? Like, he, he, he could be in the league five, six, seven years, and he's going to be at his prime then. You know what I mean? So I'm not worried about the first, second preseason game where a, a talented pass rusher gets by him or he's finding his way on the right side. I mean, I totally have patience there. And as long as I see flashes and he's already shown in his workouts and his interviews that – He's fine with playing right tackle. He's working his butt off. He's got a good head on his shoulders. His teammates love him. I'm all about it. And, like, when it comes to O-lineman versus quarterback, I'm kind of with what you said at the end. I'm more of a double-dip guy where I'm trying to get the best player available at the position of value in the draft. So, I mean, I know there was a, a group that loved Justin Fields, but really when you look at it from a big scope i mean most people thought sewell would go ahead of where justin fields was going to go in the draft he was anywhere from the 20s up to pick two you know was his range so a lot of range of outcomes so to me i i think both players could end up being quality football players but again 
uh, as much as everybody loves the shiny new toy or the, the the flashy new quarterback, I mean, I'm definitely not opposed to building in the trenches. So I think we'll kind of wait and see how it plays out as well as tell the people, hey, be patient with both and see how they plan out over time as well as both kind of groups should be excited about the player. But, Joey, the, the, the main reason I brought you on, I know we only have this short segment with you, is to talk about Justin Fields versus Jared Goff. Now, I know you got the sh- I know you come on here, you bloviate about the guy, give you valuable airtime on the Kool-Aid cast, and, and you throw the Lions a few bones here there. I get it. We appreciate it. But but to, let's just be honest. Justin Fields done nothing at the NFL level yet. Can we agree on that? Absolutely. Hasn't played a single snap. Okay. And we can agree that as much as you hate Jared Goff and you take cheap shots at him multiple times, usually when you're on the show, He's been to a Super Bowl. Is that also correct, sir? Uh, that is correct. I also lived in L.A. the last 11 years. So I'm, I'm in the backyard with a lot of Rams fans. <laughs> okay. Uh, we won't talk about his Pro Bowls or any of the other numbers that he's put up so far. But, but let's do this. I want to put these two people kind of face-to-face, mano y mano, let's say in some categories and have a little fun with this. I'm sure you could take some jabs at me. No, no foul, but we'll have a little fun with this actual quarterback comparison. So let's start with this category. It's called the category of accuracy from the quarterback position. Most experts that you talk to will say accuracy is the most important attribute that a quarterback could have. Who, who would you objectively give the uh, the nod to, the advantage to, when it comes to throwing of the football, being accurate, putting it on time, putting it in the proper position? What say you? Fields or Goff? Well, as of right now, it's, it's easily Goff with this one caveat, and this is my <laughs> biggest problem with Jared Goff. And here's what it is, man, is, and I hope you guys don't do this to him, or I hope you at least allow him the chance to try and do it. If you look at his yards per attempt, week one, his yards per attempt is in the eights or the nines, eight or nine yards per attempt. By the end of the year, it's in the sevens. What does that say to me? As time goes on, they trust him less and less. You can have a 90% completion percentage, but if you're only completing four-yard passes, what exactly does it do? That's a part of the thing with the Trubisky thing. His, His completion percentage was fine. He couldn't throw the ball downfield. So as of right now, absolutely, Jared Goff, and dude, he can get on. He can get on a heater too. He can do a nice little slice and dice on people for sure. My question with him always has just been, can they continue to trust him to push it down the field? All right, and I know we're not doing the people's court segment, which many enjoyed, and we had a bunch of fun with uh, weeks ago when we put Fields on trial. But may I ask the uh, um, you know, Joey, who is on the stand here, when, when you say we um, or they. Uh, fell out of favor or they did not believe or they did who, who are you referring to let's just make that clear for the court oh i'm talking about uh sean mcveigh uh clearly ah, yes. the offensive guru of the nfl <laughs> who also by the way led his team to a super bowl we cannot say jerry Goff went to a super bowl without giving credit for sean mcveigh making it to a super ah, bowl. yes but but also sean mcveigh would be singular that's one person is that correct Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, well, Sean, I mean, proverbial, right? I mean, can I say with confidence that the quarterbacks coach, the wide receivers coach, the running backs coach were probably on board too as well? I mean, I think that's fair. <laughs> I think it's uh, leading and assuming, but okay. So one guy hates Jared Goff and now he's a horrible 
football player. Okay, um, let, let's move to the arm. The, just having the NFL-type arm, would you give that to your boy, Justin Fields, or new Lions quarterback, Jared Goff? Oh, my God. 10,000 days and 45,000 times on Sunday. I'm going with Justin Fields on that one. We bring it up all the time. It's the easy marker. But if you just watch him dropping those bombs on Clemson in that in that playoff game, throwing those six touchdowns, uh, I think he's got the heat on it. I think he can go sidearm. I think when he's out of the pocket, I think he can keep the, the, the miles per hour on that laser, what we call a cannon on his arm when he gets out there. Um, Jared Goff's got a good arm. Don't get me wrong, but I'm giving the edge to Justin Fields, 100%. All right, we'll see. Uh, you know, uh, the the stuff against Goff is that he dinks and dunks, but word out of camp is that he's unleashed some nice deep balls. We will see if he can do it when it counts on Sundays. I think he's got a better arm than advertised. And let's go to the, let's go to this interesting category: Fields versus Golf. Football intelligence. I'm very curious of your answer. Ooh, football intelligence. Are we talking mental? or Are we talking like? The physical decision-making in a game. We're talking football intelligence. We're to know where to, how, why can I talk here? When and where to go with the football, as well as being able to process a complex offense and being able to make the proper throw when needed. Ooh, okay. Well, wow. In terms of processing uh, uh, an opposing defense, I will give the edge (laughs) to Justin Fields. In terms of making the right decision with the football, uh, I'm, I'm I'm sorry. We take that back. In terms of <laughs> processing information, <laughs> you're gonna have to cut that. Processing information, I'm getting I'm giving it to Goff. Uh, making the right decision with the football, I am going to give it to Fields, sight unseen, um, because Goff's turnovers are are tough on the soul. And uh, so I don't know if that's a split ski there. Are we doing a split ski on that one? This is why I did the segment because I knew your bears bias and my lions Kool-Aid were going to intersect and it was going to be good, good <laughs> podcast entertainment. And you should know by now being on the Kool-Aid cast, we don't do edits. We just roll hit record. Whatever happens, happens. All right. I know you got only a few more minutes, so let's get this in leadership. I mean, gosh, I mean, there were there were questions about Fields. There were guys that loved Justin Fields. Obviously, one man over in L.A. does not believe in the leadership of Jared Goff and moved him forward to get the unquestioned, unbelievable leader that is Matthew Stafford. At least that's what he says in some Lions loyalists. Leadership. Would you go with your boy Fields if you're starting a team, or would you like number 16 for the Detroit Lions to lead your group, Jared Goff? I mean, this is easy for me. I got to go with Justin Fields just because that's the that's the Bears bias answer there on that one. Granted, he hasn't <laughs> played a snap yet in the NFL, but but truly, in training camp, when we say like saying the right things in a press conference is like one thing. But some of the things that he's done and already said in a press conference actually is like really intrigued me in terms of a guy that's not only accountable, but just saying things in a specific way to let everyone know that he does want to be a leader and he's unabashedly confident about doing that. I'm not saying anything wrong about J- Jared Goff in that regard. It's just, I don't know, did Jeff Fisher really trust him during that time? And we all know the rumors about Jared Goff pining after Sean McVay's wife. So, or Sean McVay's friend at the time. So in terms of leadership, if there's a kernel of truth to that one, I'm going to have to give this one to Justin Fields. Oh, 
not surprising everybody, but, but here's the thing with Goff and his leadership. He's very laid back. He's very West Coast. Um, I, that That's going to either work out great or or horribly, in my opinion. He he seems to have everybody on board with him. Players love him, but I don't think he's going to be the uh, grab-your-face mask, Tom Brady-esque type um, push-people type leader, but maybe he can, he can bring people around. So I, I don't know. To, to, to me, you say that uh, Field steps up to the podium and says X, Y, and Z. I mean, I hate to go back to the intelligence category and take football off, but I don't think he's the smartest guy in the in the planet based on what I've heard. So he can say all the cliches, I get it, but we'll see if his leadership and and just literal intelligence it may hamper him in, in the leadership category down the road. I got two more for you. How about the toughness category? Jared Goff plays with broken thumbs. I mean, he's out there willing his team to play off W's, out there doing his thing. And your boy, I mean, he's had injuries in college. This guy, he, he thinks he's a tough guy because he's a big old body. looks like a Cam Newton light. But this guy's dinged up all the time. Always has some injury that keeps him off the football field. So what about the toughness, Ken? What about, what about being there for your teammates? Uh, toughness, this is easy. Justin Fields, what games <laughs> has he lost that you're referring to? He's been hit and speared in the chest and he stayed in the game. Yeah, he's had injuries, but he's played through them. You're throwing a thumb at me, the opposable thumb that makes us, separates us humans from the the Homo sapiens or the the animals, the, the gorillas of the jungle and everything. You're throwing a thumb at me. Um, no, man. I mean, Justin Fields, by far. And look, man, you just said it yourself, Jared Goff, California kid. Look, man, I know this is the Kool Aid cast. I know you want to drink it in, but don't tell me for a second. There's a small part. Of you being raised in Detroit, Michigan, the Midwest, man, you guys are the Lions, all right? And you're telling me right now that you're just going to let some California quarterback walk in here and automatically he's the toughest dude in the world? Don't you think he has to prove it to you? At the very least, don't you think Jared Goff, California kid, has to show some of the people in the Motor City like, you know, can he be as tough as you guys are? You guys grew up in the snow, the sleet, the <laughs> bad weather. Come on, guys. You have seen it all. Scott Mitchell. I can go on. Joey Harrington. And you're telling me that golf just automatically gets the toughness card from you guys? I'm not buying it for a second. If you guys are anything, any kind of Detroiters, any kind of Lions fans in the world, I would go out there and I would say, you know what, Goff, we want to like you, man. We love your physical skills, but you got to show us what Detroit tough means right now. Not some silly West Coast stuff, all right? I've been out here 11 years. I'm as soft as Charmin now because of the weather. <laughs> I know all about it, all right? I've lost my Midwest card of toughness. You've got to tell hmm. me right now that Goff's got to earn it. He's got to show you guys. He's got to prove to the Lions fans that he's tough. Okay, here's, here's a quick rebuttal. First of all, he won playoff games with a surgically repaired thumb. It's not the pinky toe. People put Matt Stafford on this toughness pedestal because he played with a splint on his finger, because his back was a little bit tweaked. They say it was broken, allegedly. But, like, all these little injuries that, like, he put every apparatus on his hand, and people said this guy was Mike Ditka out there. So, so we'll buy that any day of the week. All we want is my what I'm going to bring up in my final category to compare these two football players and that's simply the really only category that matters and that's winning that's putting up w's when it comes down to putting up wins leading your team making that play galvanizing your teammates is it going to be this rookie 
this unknown commodity, this guy that's a little erratic at times on the football field? Or is it going to be a guy that's led men, a guy that's just put up W's in the biggest moments? Is it going to be a guy that got to the game, something that all Detroit Lions fans want? I say when you talk about winning, you're talking about golf. When you talk about winning, moving forward, you're talking about the Detroit Lions. Yes, you heard it here first. Give Garrett, Jared Goff the winning category. I mean, I don't think there's an argument. When you when you agree, um, the argument is that this is an INC man. This is an incomplete. And look, here's what I will say: everything that you just said is completely correct. All right, he does. He has more NFL wins. He's been to a Super Bowl. He's got more NFL wins than Justin Fields. That's totally true. But I will tell you something right now, and I implore you, my good friend, who brings me on this podcast, and it's an honor and a pleasure. And all you Lions fans out there, beginning week one. No one wants to hear about how many games Jared Goff won for the Los Angeles Rams anymore. You guys want to hear about how many games he has won for the Detroit Lions. You want to drink it in, my friend. You want to count those victories. So in my opinion, starting week one, Jared Goff's got zero wins. Justin Fields has got zero wins. And let's go, man. Let's tow it up. Let's see what happens. And let's see who comes out on top, not just after this year, but maybe after the next couple of years. Yes, multiple years, and we do like to have fun with sound effects, so I'll do this for the people. Justin Fields? Cannot play with him. Cannot win with him. Cannot coach with him. Can't do it. (laughs) Jared Goff? I want winners. I want people that want to win. Yes, and the the winning vote goes to Jared Goff in this comparison for all the uh, people out there, for the loyal listeners. So, Joey, I think I used up about almost every minute that you said you had available today. I squeezed every little Kool-Aid out of you here on the show. So I'm going to do you this favor. Pump your stuff up. You're killing it on the Believe Podcasting Network, everybody. That's spelled B-L-E-A-V. You got your new Twitter handle. You're on Instagram. You're putting out graphics, videos. You're bringing on everybody from A to Z in the sports world and entertainment. Go ahead and tell them where they can find you. First of all, man, thank you. Always a pleasure to be on the DJ Kool-Aid cast. Listeners, thank you so much for checking out this pod. Check out the rest of Derek's pods. Go in the back, man. Get ready for the season and watch the ones moving forward as he previews the Lions coming up this year. My show is Bet on Chicago. I talk Chicago sports, but man, I do more than that. I talk pop culture. I talk movies. Um, I talk mental health. I've been super into that this summer. So you get a nice variety there. You can find that on the Believe Podcast Network. Also, I'm hosting Believe in Bears. We're doing pre-post, talking to people inside. You know, trying to talk to a little bit of some of the enemies, too, as well as we move along. I'm sure we're going to get Derek involved in that, too, once the Lions and Bears lock horns week four. Doing that with former Bears defensive end. And also for a cup of coffee, he was on the Detroit Lions. Corey Wilton, too, as well. Um, Corey's a great dude. A lot of knowledge. He works for Fox 32. He's doing a lot of great stuff. He's going to be co-hosting the show with me all this year. You can find me at Twitter, at Joey Sports Guy, or IG, at Joey Sports Guy. Derek, it's been fun, man. It's crazy, dude. The next time we do this, dude, this is going to be for real. We're going to be talking about real games and stuff. I'm excited. It's been a long road. Exactly. Can't wait to have you on before that Bears game, and then I'll definitely have to talk to you before Turkey Day when our teams uh, square up again as well. But, Joey, thanks for this short interview segment. We love having you on the show, and it's been great, man. Have a great week. Thanks for coming on. Thanks, brother. Great talking to you, man. We'll talk soon. Yep. Take care.
All right, Detroit Kool-Aid drinkers, there it was. Joey Christopoulos at Joey Sports Guy. Joey from the Believe Podcasting Network. Yes, he's a Bears fan. For some reason, I still let him on the show. It's because we are good buddies. We have a bunch of fun. We both love football, and we love to chop it up. So I hope you enjoyed that, and I always appreciate him coming on the show. And for you Detroit Kool-Aid drinkers, uh, always giving great feedback when Joey is on. Great numbers as well as, you know, again, we don't like the Chicago Bears. We do not like Justin Fields. But we are willing to beat up on them on the pod and hopefully on the football field and have some fun there. So hope you enjoyed that. Um, Listen to our sponsors. Hit that subscribe button. Share this with a friend. All that good stuff. And I just thank everybody that hits the play button on this podcast. means a ton to me. And like I said, check out my Believe show. That was a great show. The show earlier this week. The full show with Joey where we broke down the NFC North was good. And this will be the last time I have to talk about meaningless football basically on the show. Because next week... You know, I would love fans sending their questions. Listeners, you got questions, hit me up on Twitter at Derek Okri. That's spelled D E R E K O K R I E. Let me know what you want me to answer. Let me know what you want to know. Let me tell me what you love about the show. If you got beef with me, let me know. Um, we could do that, but we'll mostly probably get into breaking down Lions versus San Francisco, all the things, all the roster moves that did happen. Which will probably mimic exactly what I've told you here on the show. Not really, but, um, you know, it'll be pretty close. There's no doubt about it. And, uh, yeah, probably be other news to get into. Maybe add some players, maybe a trade. Who knows what will happen. So, let's get into the defense. I'll keep this a little bit tight. That way we can get up out of here. But I broke it down into D-linemen, linebackers, corners, and safeties. Again, the Lions are going to more of this 3-4 setup. So you have guys that are really D linemen. They're calling outside linebackers, whether that be Romeo Quara, Julian Quara, Trey Flowers. I mean, I kind of did a mix of putting them kind of in the bucket that I felt was most real rather than giving them kind of these fake tags when really they're basically just going to be rushing the passer all day. So, you know, again, we'll, we'll, there's a little wiggle room there, but I, I had seven D linemen, you know, when I worked it out. And to me it was... Michael Brockers, your top guy, your vet. Again, I'm curious what he'll give you. He obviously hasn't practiced. He hasn't played much. But he seems like a great guy on and off the field. And I really hope he's got enough in the tank to give us two, three really good years where he's productive. He's a leader. He can add to this uh, getting after the quarterback and, and being able to do some other things as well. So I just put him as kind of my top guy. Just kind of going down the list here. Uh, Liam McNeil. The big fella in the middle, number 54. I mean, this guy, I remember watching one of the preseason games, and I was like, Ali McDeal doesn't come off the field ever. He just was out there every snap, you know, holding the point, pushing the pocket. Now, is he blown by anyone and blown up a quarterback or done anything incredible? No, but I think he's been really good overall from what I've seen and heard. You know, when you're just starting from day one, I mean, it shows kind of where the overall roster is, but also what this guy can do as a talent. So I think there was even a tweet recently where it was like on Madden, Ali McNeil blew up the backfield, sacked or, or got a TFL, and then he gets up and he does his baseball home run swing. So Ali McNeil liked that. I think he gave it a, a the laughing, crying face or whatever, and he was like, I would love to see him do that here in week one versus San Francisco where he just blows up Garoppolo 
low or running back and swings for the fences. Again, that's the sport we shall not speak of, but if Aleem McNeil's hitting long balls after big plays on the football field, I'm all about it. And, um, yeah, working our way down, I mean, Trey Flowers is that other guy I put on the D-line, so that gets me to three. Um, Deshaun Hand, I threw him in there. Again, unfortunate. He has another growing issue, and you're not sure if he'll be ready. That gets me to four. Five, John Penasini. Six, this, these aren't necessarily in order, because for me, it's going to be after, after Aleem and Flowers... It's going to be Levi Onzerike, big denim. I loved what I saw from him when he got out there pushing the pocket, swim moves, getting after tacklers. Um, he just flashed for me on the game film. So I even put him in front of Deshaun Hand just as an overall football player. Um, so, again, I'm trying to count my numbers here. Three, three plus Onzerike is four, five Deshaun Hand, six Panasini, and seven... I don't know. I I got rid of Jay Sean Cornell, even though he's shown up a little bit. Um, let me see. I don't know. I think I kept. Gosh, it's it's, it's between Kevin Strong and and Nick Williams. You know, wh- whoever they like. To me, Kevin Strong has shown up more, but it seems like they like Nick Williams, and he's a big old monster, even though he didn't play very well last year overall. Um, you know, maybe he gets the nod based on his salary and his being a veteran and whatnot. But so either or there will get you to uh, seven, I believe, is kind of what I had there. And, you know, when you head to the linebacker position, I had eight linebackers. And again, I left some of the outside guys in. I did leave, you know, Romeo and Julian Oquara as outside linebackers because I think they're both athletic and slender enough to be classified as that where they can drop and they can rush and they can move around. Trey Flowers can't do all those things. I'm sorry to tell you. Like, maybe every blue moon you can drop him in a, and try to get under a, a slant or something. But, you know, I don't want him dropping and trying to cover people. So that's why I di- differentiated between the two. Trey Flowers, the D lineman, the Quara boys, outside linebackers. So you got two outside backers there. You got my least favorite linebacker, but I know he's going to be out there a lot. I hope he makes plays. I hope he does not loaf. I hope he does not get roasted in coverage. And that's Jamie Collins, everybody. Ocho there wearing the single digit in the middle of the defense. You know, that gives me three backers, four Anzalone. Again, not in any particular order because Derek Barnes is looking like a ball player. He's in there. I left Jalen Reeves Mabin on this roster just because I wanted to see him. So what does that get me to? That's like three, four, five. Yeah, I had I had Reeves Maven making it. I actually did not have uh, Pittman or Beckett making it, but I could see one of them getting in. Julian O'Quara. You know who I you know who I didn't have in? Again, I'm gonna do the same bit because one, I thought it was funny, and two, if you don't hear my believe in Lion show, you're gonna miss it. But I mean, you know who didn't make it? I, I'll just do a sound drop of what this guy sounds like when he's running around trying to tackle people or trying to catch people in coverage. You'll probably know who I'm talking about when you hear the sound bite. Here you go. Who does that sound like to you? Who Who's a guy where if you just imagine if his legs made a sound, 
what the, that it might be something like this. Yeah, it, it's almost it's almost too fast of a noise for this guy. And that's Jelani Tavai. Everyone is done with this guy. We've seen enough. He he can't play. He can't diagnose. He can't tackle. It's just a swing and a miss. I mean, go get rid of him and get anybody with a pulse, and, and we're we're a better team. So he's clumsy looking. He's falling over himself. He's right there for tackles. He still can't get his hands on people. Everybody's done with Johnny Tavai, so he he's obviously cut. Maybe you get Pittman and Beckett like on the practice squad. You know what I mean? But Tavai's got to go, and. Um, and Austin Bryant, too. I had Austin Bryant in my linebacker mix. I really like what I've seen from that guy. He's a big old athlete. He seemed to have juice. He likes to come around the edge. He can he can do a stunt and get up inside and try to get after a quarterback on a, on a stunt or pulling up the middle. I swear, if he can stay healthy and if they can find ways to scheme him up, he could flash a lot this year on Sundays for this team, in my opinion. So... That's kind of where I was at. Again, all I did was my quantities, and then I'm trying to do a lot of this off memory. That's kind of where I was at with linebackers. Again, you could put Austin Bryan as a linebacker, D-line, whatever you want to call him, but he's got that body where he looks more like an outside backer to me. I don't love him in coverage, but I do love his crazy long arms, his big old build, and his ability to move his feet and be an athlete. So that's kind of where I was at there. Cornerbacks, let's see where I was at cornerbacks. You got... You got Mr. Okuda. I mean, yes, needs to tighten up, needs to step up, needs to be more of a lockdown here sooner than later. I hate listening to, I don't know, 97 won the tickets with the two negative guys who think it's just great to come on the radio and hate everything all day. They were talking about, man, this guy can't play, can't cover, he's a bust, he's get rid of him, really get rid of him. I mean, come on, man. He hasn't lived up anywhere near the number three overall pick, but there's been many a times where we say, look, hey, these guys don't can't control where they go, so he doesn't have to play like a number three overall pick. He needs to play like a good top-end number one NFL corner, and he's just going into year two, an often injured year with a horrible coaching staff. So I'm a Mr. Okuda guy. I am actually going to be rocking this year. Like when I go to games or when they're on the road, I'm be rocking – the crispy I found a crispy white number 23 jersey that I'll be rocking and also I'll be rolling with a 24 jersey that I put out on Twitter and that's from my guy A.O. Oh baby oh baby (laughs) and one mixtape shout out um I, I like those two guys I really do I think you can roll them out you know, most weeks and feel pretty good about it based on their athleticism, their length, their ability. Now, everyone's going to tell you, oh, man, there's so many other good corners and these guys, look at their PFF, look at these ratings. And it's like, I'm just going to focus on what they do this year. And I think both of them could take a leap forward. I think their confidence is there. They love this coaching staff. I really think it could be a good thing. So, Mr. Okuda, AO are going to be your 1-2. I think that's pretty set. I'm still bummed we lost Quentin Dunbar, but it is what it is. Um, When you work your way down on the corners, I mean, again, after that, it gets pretty dicey. So I think 
And again, I know some of these are almost too straightforward that they're not going to be correct, but I'm not trying to be right. I'm just sort of saying like maybe what I would do on the surface here. And I'm going to keep, so what I have six corners, so that's two. See if I can keep track of this. I'm going to keep, um, as long as he can play, I'm going to keep corn elder just because I want to see what he's got. And, and, you know, if I didn't, you know, I'd have Benny Blades coming after me telling me, man, he's a cane. You can't get rid of him. And I'd be like, Benny, I know he's from the U. And then I'd be like, but Benny, it's not all about that U. It really isn't. No, it's it's not, Benny. So, um, uh, again, we'd fight about that, but... I just want to keep him because he was kind of coming up in his career with Carolina, starting to play a little bit better. And I'd give him that chance unless he's just a non-factor. Um, A.J. Parker, everybody's favorite player right now, number 41. I mean, he's going to make it just because he seems to really be dedicated, good guy, hard worker. They coach seem to like him. So that's going to get me to four right there. And, man, after that, it's tough. Like, you know, we got Iffy. Can't forget about him. Iffy Melifanu, he's going to be in there for sure. And, and again, these aren't in any particular order after the first couple. So I got I got the top two. I got Corn Elder. I got A.J. Parker. That's four. Give me Iffy. That's five. And I said I got six corners. So then it comes down to Mike Ford or Roby Coleman or Jerry Jacobs. Now, I know Jerry Jacobs, number 39, is a great story, and there's been things about him making plays in practice I don't know I just haven't really noticed him and just seems kind of like a long shot again another practice squad guy in my opinion Mike Ford seems like he'll make it because of the old special teams and I heard Dan freaking Campbell going man this is gonna really come down to special teams gonna be really important like I get so sick of that because again I'm not gonna go on my full rant but what you got to cover a few kicks a few punts that is Kicks are literally wind sprints and and field goals and stuff. I mean, this is not brain surgery. This is not some huge third of the game that they tell you. I mean, it's just ridiculous. I don't want the greatest special teams unit in football. I want a good offense, a real nasty defense, good O-line, good D-line, good quarterback, good skill guys. That's what I want. So if I got to make this decision here, if I'm making these cuts – I mean, I'm probably going to roll with Roby Coleman just because he's got a little bit of a track record, a little bit better of an athlete, um, good mindset. You know, I've been a hater on Mike Ford here for a while. Again, if I can sneak Jerry Jacobs on my practice squad, I'm going to be more than happy to do that. But those are going to be my six corners. And this is where it gets real, real dicey at the safety position. You know, you're looking at it and you're like, all right, Tracy Walker's my free you know, I hope that him playing the deep third or half or whatever they're going to have him do lets him roam and make plays and get interceptions and whatnot. But I just don't want to see him making 12-yard tackles down the field or getting burnt like he's been burnt year after year. He's just losing my cred here on my favorite number, number 21. Um, Will Harris, you know, I'd like to see at least Will get the start and see what he can do. Um, hopefully they can, you know, he seems confident. Coaches keep talking him up. Put him out there. See what he can do. I mean, if he starts getting burned a lot, you put in Dean Marlowe. He's the veteran of the group. And then I really had to go searching for who was after that. You know, it was like, do I go with, you know, 
Elijah Holder. We got C.J. Moore, who's been here around a lot. You know, could you even put, um, you know, the the guy that's transitioned to running back? Could you classify him as a safety? And then he's got you kind of, yeah, you don't want him to play safety, but it's kind of like an extra running back if they think they're short there. To me, I just broke it down. I went with Jalen Elliott again, the kid out of Notre Dame. I feel like all these guys from Notre Dame, I'm giving a little nod, which again. I can't stand Notre Dame. I don't really like Notre Dame, you know, because I'm all about that go blue, which would be kicking off before you know it. Probably like a week to the day when you guys are probably listening to this. I have no idea what to expect from Michigan football, but we just have to win one game. One game, and that is in November. You guys know what it is. So, um, again, not a Notre Dame fan. Forget the SEC and all these other teams. But, um, you know, again, Jalen Elliott, Brock Wright, Elise Mack. You know, I got all these fringe guys that are all from Notre Dame who still can't pick a conference after all these years. So, you know, I'm going to go with Jalen Elliott. He seems like kind of a freak. They seem to like him. And he's kind of popped a couple preseason games a little bit. So, when I broke it down, I mean, that gave me 25 on defense. Would I have 28 on the offensive side of the ball? If my math skills are correct, that gets me to 53. And like I said, I'm not going to break down the practice squad right now. But to me, then it would be just Brad Holmes being smart, keeping his eye out there. If there's a guy that can come cheap, that can bolster in the locker room or be that veteran presence or give them something that they don't think they have, whether it be short yardage on the run game, a tight end that can make a few plays, a safety, a linebacker, a corner. You know, those are kind of the positions I'd be keeping my eye out for, for sure. So I really hope he does some good things. Again, I know the show might be a little bit longer, but I hope you guys enjoy those two breakdowns. My time with Joey from the Believe Podcasting Network. Normally we're at Hype You Up, but again, This game that you're going to see here on a Friday evening against the Indianapolis Colts isn't going to be real football. Everybody stays healthy. We really get our mojo going. And before you know it, the diehards, the Kool-Aid drinkers will invade Ford Field and we'll get that dub against the San Francisco 49ers to open what is not only the new regime, but a new bright future for the Detroit Lions. So drink that in, everybody. Drink it in, man. Side of cornbread. cornbread. Make it a double. Cornbread. I'll catch you next week, right here on the Detroit Kool Aid Cast. Take care, everybody. I'm out. Pack the bag. Start the plane. This game is over. It is over. What a comeback by the Lions. Drink it in, man.